0: Hello and welcome to the Gold, Goats & Guns Market Report for today, Sunday, the 24th of September, 2023. My name is Tom Luongo and we have a lot to talk about. Uh, shout out to all the new patrons. We put out the, the newsletter on Thursday afternoon and then, of course, the market—the single piece of organized marketing we do every month um, went out the door and, I, and it was uh, nice to see the number of new patrons uh, hit the the list uh, i think we finally crossed 3200 after a kind of a, a slow growth summer which is you know is what it is and there's no problem seriously i, I you know i am still i still I sit here sometimes and I'm like really 3200 people that's just an insane number to me my original goal was like 800 to a <laughs> thousand seriously so um yeah so a uh, couple of things real quick um Camille needs to remind me. Uh, wanted me to remind you that um, she still has uh, mugs and she has a couple of ashtrays in stock. If anybody is interested in a custom-made, hand-thrown and crafted um, gold goats and guns mug, like you've seen me uh, use in some of the uh, the interviews that I do, uh, she has all shapes and sizes and a bunch of different designs. And uh, send me a DM on Patreon after uh you know and, and uh we'll and i'll put you in contact with her and she can go from there but yeah she has a couple of ashtrays as well so for the scar smokers in the audience you know i have one it's awesome so I, you know i don't know don't normally like to pimp anything here but you know it, it is what it is so there you go um you know trying to keep my my wife's uh uh my wife's spirits up by doing the thing all right let's get started Okay, um, you know it's just guys. You have to realize that I'm still really like, really uncomfortable with like selling as a as, as a thing. I just like to like to, like produce content and do you know and provide value and like the whole idea of that I actually have to like sell this thing is just just again, the truth is that the lies are expensive and the truth sells itself, right? So, the truth is. My wife is becoming a pretty good potter, and I'm actually quite proud of her, so I don't mind selling her work. I'm just uncomfortable and stumble over it because I'm just not any good at it. All right, let's get started. Uh, I want to talk about the, um, the morning munchings from Friday where I quickly identified that what Janet Yellen was doing with the announcement on Friday morning through Bloomberg that the Treasury would be moving into the Treasury market to buy bonds. And I quickly identified that as, well, that's just yield curve control. It's clear what Yellen is going to do. Um, And it was done for probably the most cynical reasons you can imagine. I don't even know if they're going to have the money to do this. It's interesting. We were discussing this on the Slack server uh, over the weekend, earlier in the weekend. And uh, one of the patrons put up a very, very thoughtful post uh, about the mechanics of what Yellen's going to do. And in effect. What she's done is, if I, if my memory is correct on this, and some and anybody else can, um, rub, can you know uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this just reminds me of of Mario Draghi's OMT program at the ECB, which is called other monetary transactions, which comes to, in the in the end is really him just buying and selling, uh, European union debt in order to, main, to, to manage uh, yield curves and yields and all the rest of it and intervene in the markets as long as it doesn't, you know, to keep it from going bidless. And while I I share a lot of the patrons, or the community members, um, I agree with them on, on, on a lot of what He laid out in terms of the mechanics and and all of this that basically Yellen is going to go into the market and very powerfully shape the yield curve um, on the long end because, you know, she has that ability. The problem is for her is going to be that she has a tremendous amount of money at her disposal. But the problem with that is, is that um, I don't believe she's going to be able to win. And this is what I said on Friday in the morning munchings, and I reiterated in the public blog post I put out uh, around using some of those ideas on Saturday. So what I mean by this is the following. Yield curve control is where the central bank, usually the central bank, you know, mucks with the yield curve by, you know, like if they want to suppress the long end of the curve, they buy the tens and they sell twos. Remember that Yellen was the architect of uh, Operation Twist 1 and Operation Twist 2. I think Bernanke talked about it, but I really think that it was done by Yellen. Uh, Again, correct me if I'm wrong. If my memory doesn't serve, I'd have to go back and look. But I do believe that um, OT1 and OT2, you know, were managed by Yellen. Even if um, Bernanke put OT1 in place just before he left office and then, you know, she managed the first round of it. Then there was QE3. Then there was OT2, and then Powell took over. Um, Yellen has always believed in yield curve control. It's nothing new. She's a commie. It is what it is. She's coordinating her policy with Christine Lagarde's yield curve control, and she announced this policy after the FOMC meeting on the second to last Friday of the third quarter while the euro was desperately clinging on to... A quarterly bearish reversal signal at 106.33, and the German ten-year is pushing up towards 2.75 percent, and the French ten-year is breaking out, and the Italian ten-year has already broken out and hasn't come back. I mean, even honestly, the the, the German ten-year has broken out right above 2.5 percent. This is if if the, the German ten-year closes above 2.7, forget it. We're going to three or three and a half by the end of the year, if not higher than that. Powell has, you know, told the bond vigilantes on Wednesday. And for those of you who have already read this month's newsletter, you know exactly what it is that I'm predicting for Q4. And it's, you know, it's a version of what I've talked about in public and other places. And even here on the pod, uh, the, the podcast, the, the market report to a greater or lesser extent. So I really do think that the bond vigilantes are coming back on, the, on October 2nd to rip Janet Yellen and Christine Lagarde to shreds because there's no reason for them not to. Yellen just tipped her hand. Okay. Well, she may think she has a very powerful tool at her disposal in order to buy time. That's all she's doing is buying time. And she's also going to create an even worse fiscal situation on Capitol Hill by spending money she doesn't have to manipulate the yield curve. Meanwhile, Matt Gates is trying to get rid of Kevin McCarthy. Good luck with that, and I wish him well. So these all these things are tying in at the same time and it's also very clear that there's an operation being run around the world. Someone's been running an operation against the Hong Kong dollar. It's been going on for months. Um clearly there's been an attack on the Hong Kong dollar as a proxy for, you know, China. It the, the Hong Kong Monetary Authority, the HKMA has been on top of it. They haven't let it you know, I haven't let the peg fail, but there's been multiple attacks on the peg in the last six months. I was just looking at it the other day. So it's very clear that everybody is making their big, they're putting their big cards on the table. They're playing their big chips here, except for Powell. Powell didn't raise on Wednesday. He just walked out with his resting hawk face and stuck to policy. Even Ueda, at the BOJ blinked a little bit. As I intimated uh, uh, on on Friday, the SNB blinked. And what I meant by my comment in the morning munchings about the Swiss National Bank is, you know, when I was chatted, the last time I chatted with Pascal Nachati and we were talking about um, the bailout of Credit Suisse. He just said, "Look, the SNB is a is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Bundesbank. It's controlled by the Bundesbank." I said, "But the Bundesbank wasn't and the and the ECB and the European Union weren't consulted on the on the the Credit Suisse UBS merger, the the details of it." And he stopped and he actually dropped a cigarette. And he stopped and he went, "Wow." That was big news to him. Okay. So, I, you know, I, but if you look at the way the Swiss franc is traded versus the euro, it, they've been, you know, basically in kind of lockstep together, you know, for most of the year. So, or at least since that point, as, you know, there's been no, there's been no further acts of independence effectively by the SNB because if the SNB was going to be, um, if the SMB was actually working alongside the Fed like this to really put as deep as screws onto the as possible, they would have raised 25 basis points, which would have sent the euro crashing through $1. six. The same thing with the Bank of England. The Bank of England was really trying to destroy the EU as opposed to take it over, which is my theory at this point um then the bank of england would have raised a quarter point as well but they didn't they both backed off at a key critical moment the pound got crushed from a dollar 24 to a dollar the swiss you know the 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 euro uh, swiss franc cross didn't weaken okay the euro yen cross which we're going to talk about in a little bit is clearly throwing a, a topping pattern. So, I, I again, Francis Hunt. I remember the last time I talked to Francis, he said, This is why I'm long. This is why I'm long the euro yen cross. And that was at about 140 and then it dipped to 133. And I'm like, Francis, you better watch yourself. And I'm sure he got out of the initial trade and then bought the breakout at 141. And it's, you know, trading at 158. And he's, I'm sure he's done very well with it. Um, cause, you know, Francis is a smart guy and, you know, far more experienced trader than I am. But the point of this is that the reason why that happened is, and I'll get back to Ellen in just a second, but this whole thing with the euro yen is really interesting. Um, Lagarde is the last one to give up the short yen carry trade. She's just selling yen. That because the EU is running a, um, any yen that they get, they're just selling immediately into the market to buy um, euro bonds with. That's what they're doing. Uh, any any yen that that float around, they're being flipped into euro bonds immediately, which is what, it's not even like a complicated trade. Like I, I talked about in like, I think um, the, like the tripartite uh, carry trade that I kind of outlined in not this month's newsletter, but last month's, you know, And sure, I'm I'm sure a bunch of those are going on as well, but I just think that it's this simple. Like, Japanese Europe trade, whatever yen show up, get converted to euros, and then, you know, immediately are turned into um, into euro bond holdings. Like, I don't see any reason to make it more complicated than that. Um, So... Yellen is playing for all the marbles here, but she doesn't have a good hand. She, again, while she's going to raise a lot of capital this fall to to, to throw into the TGA's account and whatever else, whatever other, you know, bolt holes of money she's got. I just don't see how she's going to be able to, you know, keep credit spreads, i.e., you know, internal spreads here in the United States as inverted as she has for any for much longer. It's going to be up against. She's going to be fighting. I think I just, I just see the the Bond is looking at this, going, "Really?" Because they're just going to front run the shit out of her, and uh, and they should, because they can just they can literally drain her. And it's the same thing that they're trying to do to Lagarde. And you know, once the um. Once the the Bank of Japan finally steps in and truly intervenes in their market, which they will, they haven't yet, they're taking their time, but when they do, and it may be, and they may have, again, if the bond vigilantes come in at the beginning of next month and just look at the board and go, Shorten the, yeah, shorten the JGB, shorten the German Bund, shorten the, I'm shortening everything and I'm putting steepeners on across the entire, um, yield curve, meaning I'm going to bet that the yield curve is going to steepen and that's, and we've already seen that when I, I, um, I, I know I didn't, I haven't shown it yet and I'll show it to you on Wednesday, but I think it was in the morning munchings the other day. The morning munchings the other day. It was the, the 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 yield curve breakdown, and you saw a tremendous move normalization in the six month one year spread and the one year two year spread. That's all you needed to see. They're going to walk out the yield curve exactly like I said they would. They're going to walk right out the yield curve. They're going to renormalize the six month, one year. Then they're going to renormalize the one year, two year. And then Yellen's going to be sitting there going, okay, so now what? Well, she holds the 10 down. And then the two, three is going to invert on her. And then the two, and then the three, five. And then she's going to be forced to come, come in and she's going to come in in duration and she's not going to be able to stop it. And then the yield curve is going to look really dumb. Like, and it'll be, you know, I, I, she's playing with fire that she doesn't have the capital to play with because no one has the capital to really manipulate the U.S. Treasury yield curve if the entire market turns against it. It's an order of magnitude bigger than every other market on the planet. And Powell knows this, so sorry, no punch and pie. So there we go. Um, I found it interesting that I want to talk about Syria real quick. Hold on for just a second; I have to respond to Dexter. Um. I found it interesting. I want to talk about this this meeting between Xi and Assad because I think it's really important. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting meetings going on. Putin going to North Korea or, or North Korea coming to Putin because Putin can't. Putin's not allowed to travel. Putin won't be allowed to travel until um, the and until until things change uh, in London. And he may never be able to travel again. Putin may never leave Russia again. Which will, by the way, that that was a call that Dexter made a long time ago. And he'll probably be right about that one. It's not particularly difficult to figure out. Um, but Assad, who another man 10 years ago, we would have said, has will never travel outside the country ever again. Um, and yet, he just went to Beijing. Goes to Beijing. And now Syria is going to join Belt and Road. I didn't look into the details of any deals that they announced. I don't think it really matters. I mean, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it's very good for Syria. And I'm sure it's very good for China. But the Chinese moving in to stabilize Assad even further and, in effect, tell the U.S.'s economic strangulation of Syria through sanctions and stealing the oil and occupying a third of the country and all the rest of it. What tells me is one thing. It tells me a couple of things. One, China feels like the U.S.'s position in Syria is so tenuous that they can move in and defy them, and that's not going to matter anymore. And there's there's no real response coming. That's one. Number two, um, you know, the reports that we're getting out of uh, clashes between various terror between various quote unquote terrorist groups east of Euphrates River are real, and they're probably going to continue. 3 uh, for all intents and purposes the united states will be removed from syria but probably not before the end of this year so while that was one of my 10 goat predictions for the at the beginning of the year it's probably one that's not going to come true what is going to what has come true though is that china stepped into the syria situation and that's a big deal because once syria is effectively part of the BRICS part, portion of the global monetary system, the global trade system again, which it hasn't been. Um, that is going to fundamentally change all Middle East politics. It's just that simple. And the Brits and the Israelis are going to have to... Com- are going to, you know, scream bloody murder about this. But there's nothing they can do about it. You know, I'm every day I'm becoming more and more convinced that Richard Poe is completely correct about George Soros. I do not happen to share Richard's opinion that Putin is also working for the crown. I think that that's just that is just something that I cannot wrap my head around. I, I'm I'm sorry. If anything Putin is larping as if he's Act, he, he's, you know, working for the crown when he's actually destroying them because every action he's taking on the geopolitical stage, and I think this is where Richard's lack of real geopolitical acumen comes into focus. This is something we talked about on the podcast. I, I you, know, you know, and it was clear that he didn't see the game board the way I did. So I'm not saying anything here I haven't said to him personally because um, I like Richard a lot. I mean, I really enjoyed our talk. Um, But I am convinced he's completely right about Soros. Soros is a British agent. And, uh, you know, he is not the man who bankrupted the Bank of England. He's the, you know, he's the man who was allowed to bankrupt the Bank of England in order to destroy Margaret Thatcher. So, like, There's a lot here, but Soros has completely overplayed his hand. And he's not all powerful. And it's very clear that he was sent into China to do like. The way I, I was thinking about this the other day, and this is why China is important. This is why this whole story is important. This is why the incessant attacks on the Hong Kong dollar peg, which by the way, I mean it is a free market here. I think the Hong Kong dollar's Hong Kong dollar peg is is dumb. Same way that I think the Saudi real peg is dumb. I think currency pegs are dumb because I think price floors and price ceilings create shortages. It's nothing new. Um but the way I, 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 I was thinking about this the other day somebody mentioned something on Twitter and I said look the the British you know someone asked about well did the British retain their global their 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 global reserve currency after they you know they lost their empire you know or they, and I said I think that's the wrong way to look at it because they were it, it was a counterpoint to somebody talking about the dollar not losing its reserve currency status. I said, you know, that the dollar can't, that the dollar can't remain, um, that the U.S. can't remain and can't remain strong if they lose reserve currency status. I said, well, I think you're looking at it the wrong way. The Brits decided to recolonize the United States through foreign policy and monetary policy, i.e. with the creation of the Federal Reserve and the adoption through, during Woodrow Wilson's regime um, of Britain's foreign policy rather oh it was it was a it de- was it was a, de- it, was a uh, it was a reindustrialization argument sorry let me go back and restart this so the 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 threat on Twitter was this did was was Britain able to reindustrialize after they lost reserve currency status and the that was the question and that was the challenge and the response to that was very simple no because they chose not to reindustrialize because they were always using their money to industrialize bring up some the next person, in line to then be their agent in their quest for global domination through shadow banking. Okay. So after World War II, or certainly after World War I, you know, and certainly after World War I, the recolonization of the United States by the British began in earnest. Libor, the Fed, Wilson with our foreign with adopting Britain's foreign policy, blah, 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 blah. We built up and, re- and industrialized the United States as Britain lost World War II and you know, and Britain effectively lost World War II, and then, you know, created and then had the United States make the exact same mistake that the British did after World War One, trying to return the world to a gold standard at the same damn price that it was pre-war 35 dollars an ounce it's the same thing the brits did after world war 1 when they tried to return to 20 dollars an ounce for for gold now this was done and created massive deflation around the world and created the sovereign debt crisis in europe in 20 in the 20s well guess what this was designed to create a you know to effectively allow the united states with the cleanest balance sheet to then ramp it up and effectively and eventually and destroy the united states as well in the same way that it destroyed themselves okay so that's what britain woods did and then that allowed the wealth that was built up in the united states to fight world war ii would then end build up and rebuild Europe would then tra- be transferred back to Europe. Once that was finished after the Plaza, I, I'm now just like, now I'm just vamping. It could have been the Plaza Accord or the G5, G7 or whatever. It doesn't really matter. And once that was done in the fall of communism, what was the shift in policy? Now take the money that we now take the United States and all that money and throw it to China, strip mining, the United States, building up China, their money with, again, with Ameri- with the Americans, strip mining the United States, building up China, and then go and control China. Using Hong Kong as a pivot point, using all of the, George Soros' billions and everything else, and they were never able to o- undermine Xi. Or they were never a- able to undermine China as uh, to the same extent. Because they thought they were going to run the table by destroying the Russians. Putin comes to power and says no. And then Putin makes it, and then when they try to knock Putin out of power in 2014, they drive Russia and China together. Xi and Putin understand the game, and they finally just say, you know what? We can stop all of this dead freaking cold, because all we have to do is trap their billions behind our closed capital account. And then just wait for the Americans to come to their senses, which they have in the form of Powell and the banks. So this is the last gasp of the British Empire to, um, to build up and destroy all of their proxies by which to effect, eventually get to, you know, global government, which is a uniquely British idea. Again, going back to the research of Richard Poe. So, China coming in, and in particular adding Syria right on the doorstep to the Brits great plan in the Middle East, their foothold in the their real foothold in the Middle East, Israel, where all of the friggin' you know AI traffic goes through and everything else. China's like, you know what? No. And I really think this is important. All right. Now that I've established all that, let's uh let's get to the charts. I'll get you out of here. All right. Gold. So with that, gold is coiling into October. So high, low, lower, high, lower, low, lower high, higher low two bar reverse a series of uh, a series of reversals a failed reversal which should have sent us to a lower low and didn't get it and then a neutral bar here so gold is setting up and i think gold is setting up for a return to the bond vigilantes as vince noted in the podcast vince lanchi knows noted in the podcast we just that we just published um You know, the price of gold is just interest rates because you don't, because it's a stock, not a flow commodity. That's why it's a money. Gold doesn't flow around. The stock of gold stays the same. The amount of gold that's added every year is negligible to the above ground stock of gold. And until the day comes when we need gold for industrial purposes, gold will continue to be a stock commodity. Silver is now a flow commodity. It's consumed, it's used. And so because of that, we're going to see um, we're going to see gold respond to rising interest rates. And the Fed's going to get out of the way of this. The Fed wants a higher gold price real soon now because it only makes sense. But you have to get political control of the United States before you can do that. So I like what gold's doing here. It's not great. We could have a dollar spasm and this thing could go to 1800 But you can see in these last six or seven weeks as we come into the end of Q3, that gold doesn't really want to go lower. And interest rates continue to rise. Silver. We now have our triple bottom and silver i didn't move the the arrows over so they they should be pointing at the bottoms not the bottom the, the bars after the bottoms um so forgive me three higher lows here yeah they're all roughly the same and note you know close only one close below you know only one close look at i mean the, the, these inter- these statements by the market that 22 is the floor are really powerful and the fact that you don't violate each one as you go is also real. And, you know, this. now think about what Vince and I were talking about with um, GLD and SLV and, you know, the rise of mercantilism, as Vince would put it, that we're going to hold the gold behind our, um, behind capital controls and send currency overseas for goods, but refuse to send the gold out, right, and put up high protection tariffs to make sure that the gold doesn't flow out Well, this is the way we're doing it. And these interventions in silver could easily be part of the process of draining the COMEX in order to... And so you flush any longs you want to stand for delivery at key times in order to ensure that um, the silver doesn't leave while they quietly transfer it all off the COMEX. Same thing in gold much easier to to manage because silver is in incredibly high demand and in short supply and in supply deficit like oil. The volatility is higher. Bitcoin. Um, Nice reversal bar here, though ugly. I mean, this is just the weirdest freaking downtrend, which tells me now that Bitcoin is also a completely manipulated market. We get the the breakout uh, last, um, not this past week, but two weeks ago. We get a move higher and then Another move higher, but we can't maintain. And then this is this morning's data. So, you know, there's just no appetite to take Bitcoin above 27,000, 26.5. It just isn't. But then again, you know, price is nice and stable. Market cap of Tether continues to go up, by the way. Hmm. The douche, you say. It's not a lot, a little bit important. still believe that Tether is controlled by the Fed and is the means by which real Bitcoin trading is liquefied. That's what I think. And the Fed doesn't need Bitcoin to go higher here. Yeah. It might. We'll see. We got to, again, you got to flush all of the, you got to flush all the assholes out of these markets. And the way you do that is Frankly, by doing this, you have to create a bear market and you have to drain them of other sources of dollars that they can use to pump markets up, fleece the Muppets, lather, rinse, repeat, and rebuild their balance sheets. You have to keep putting the screws to them. I'm going to use Christine Lagarde's words in reverse. If you give these people any escape hatches, and she was talking about Bitcoin, When she was talking, when she said this, but I'm going to say it about the Davos crowd. If you give these people any escape hatches, they will use them. So you have to shut them down systematically one by one by one. And that takes time. Money has to rotate from one place to the other and then moved and then and then crushed. And then you have to anticipate where it's gonna go and then you crush it again and then you raise interest rates again, and then you know, you do a thing, and then you force them out into the open, and then you keep convincing the markets that you're serious and then the data comes out and the data is not as bad as we thought it the economic data it wasn't as bad as we thought it would be by this point point. how did that happen well maybe it's because the united states economy is a little bit more resilient than people gave it credit for and oh my god and blah 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 before you know it that market's been drained that guy's failed that that thing has happened the russians raised the price of oil um <laughs> you know china said that's nice Uh, yeah we're going to support a lot of our property markets we're going to let the rest of it hang and we're going to steal and we're going to just take 20 billion dollars from George Soros like if you think of Soros as an agent of the British crown why would anybody think that China's political class wouldn't want to trap every fucking dollar they could or every pound they could behind the fucking paywall and then kill it all and then just write it all down to zero George Soros, as an, as an agent of the crown, is kind of your Rosetta Stone for understanding why China acts the way they do. And this goes back to the Hong Kong riots when I said in 2018 that the Hong Kong riots were a freaking color revolution attempt. Go, for those of you who are new, and many of you weren't here for this, but go back to the archives on Gold Goats and Guns and read what I wrote about. Just put Hong Kong into the search box at TomLawango.me and read what I wrote about the Hong Kong um, riots and how it was the extradition treaty that they rioted over. And you want to know why they rioted over the extradition treaty? It's because 90% of the guys who were quote unquote bankers in Hong Kong at Standard Chartered, HSBC and all the other agents of the crown because they work for fucking GCHQ, that's why. And China was setting up to to extradite every damn one of them back behind the iron, the, the back behind the the silk curtain, and waterboard them as foreign agents. That's why everything was activated. That's why there were kids running around in black block and 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 all the rest. Of it. And I I I, I remember. Dexter arguing with me about this, and I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, there's a huge freaking British banking angle here. You cannot avoid this. I know you don't like China, but dude, this is real. I said all of this in greater detail, what, four or five years ago now. So for those of you who have been with me for seven years, you all know that story, but I called that one then what it was and clearly it was exactly that because the minute it didn't work vapor All right. so again many of you have, have, have said recently you know what do I do to catch up <laughs> oh I, I hear it and so every once in a while I try and you know Get you caught up. But I'll I'll be honest with you. There's a lot there. And I would go back and I would listen to the podcast I, you know, Alex Craner and I did about um the bombing of Nord Stream, the Nord Stream pipeline. Go back and listen to if you want to understand the beginnings of the Fed versus Davos thing, listen to episodes 75 through 77 and read the the blog posts from July of that year where I, I covered all of this. That's where I lay out who Davos is, the split within the Democrats, all this stuff and why, you know, who maps to who and why I think the Fed is raising and I said this in June of twenty twenty one or July of twenty twenty one. Over three podcasts and laid out basically the whole thesis and it's all played out since then. There are many, many other things that you can do as well, but I'll be honest with you. Like, you know, stay away from a lot of the Trump stuff because most of that's all wrong. Um, but the geopolitics stuff. Turkey, Hong Kong. Hate to say it, it's in there. All right, Uh, moving on. Oops, sorry, Brent. Um, profit taking on the Fed. So, oh, by the way, um, so on yesterday when I was publishing the blog post that's up on the blog now, I um grabbed the latest data. The closing data for the week for Brent crude, put it in my, my spreadsheet and published it this morning. I wake up and I go to do that for today. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't really need to update this because I just did it yesterday. And yet someone painted the tape on Friday into the close $3 below or a dollar and a half below at like ninety one ninety six, which is just insane. And then the printed price dropped 70 cents over what, was printed on Saturday. So there's a lot of shenanigans going on in the price of oil. There's a lot of shenanigans going on in how things are being painted. Okay. Just telling you, I don't even know that I'm going to be able to rely on this bar going forward. I got four different closing prices from Friday. You know, when I started to see stuff like this inside the the Treasury International Capital Report 10 years ago or 11 years ago, where every month I would I would whenever I would update my spreadsheet of the, of the TIC report, I would have to go back 3 months and overwrite the last 3 months worth of data. Which was very tedious by the way because it was never disseminated in a way that was easily put into Excel. It, you had to first put it into Word, then you had to then you had to convert white space into tabs and then you could actually put import the data into excel it took me like an entire afternoon to figure out how to do this one day um but then i would i would see these restate these massive restatements of of the data going back three and four months and i'm like and it was across the board and it was in and at the time it was in very important markets i still see it today Okay, so I'm really sensitive and I'm and uh, really in tune with that. I, I see data being restated all the time on purpose. So someone was trying to paint the tape in Brent in order to get this away from being a coin flip. Because 70 cents higher and this winds up being almost exactly a coin flip like fifty-five, fifty-five. Okay. And to remind everybody, when I do this, when I give you these projections for next week, what I'm saying is I'm taking the closing price and making it the open for next week and then comparing open the distance from open to high and open to low. And then just bending that up and going, well, okay, it, it, you know, it, moved up that distance 125 times over the last 254 weeks so that's roughly 50% and it moved down 121 times over 100 or, you know 131 times over 254 weeks right or whatever it was and it's 50%. So that's all I'm doing. It's very simple math. It's nothing like weird or you know um, or 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 even interesting. It's just very simple math. How many times over the last, take the opening, take last week's open, take the last week's close, make it the open and then see, you know, what the, uh, the probability is that that distance was traversed in any given week over the last five years. That's it. That's the question you're asking. Now to do that, you just bin up a whole bunch of data and do a little bit of subtraction, (laughs) you know, and then divide. Like, and that's it. That's all you're doing. That's all. That, that's where these numbers come from, right? Range, low to high, is just taking the high minus the low and taking the median of that. Difference between closes, doing the same thing, looking at the two closes from week to week. That's all this is, and then taking the median. I moved everything off of arithmetic average to median a few years ago, and now all the spreadsheets propagate properly. And then this is just simply that number divided by the price. That's it. The range on a weekly basis moves 6%. 6%. Of the price. So Brent crude. It looks great. This is profit taking. And a little bit of tape painting. And I wouldn't be short oil. Sorry. I know it looks overbought. But it's not. We could go back to 90. 87 this week. But that's what they're going to try and do. They're going to try and push it down to 87. This being upcoming being the last week in uh, in in September because they want to get Friday's close such that they don't throw a monthly reversal signal. They have a lot of work to do. They have to crash the price of oil. And if they crash the price of oil, ooh, let's see. I don't think they're going to be able to pull it off. European stocks. I want to I a number of different stocks here. I'm going to put up the the European stock charts that I've got here. I just want to note for you. And I, I wrote these down. I, I put them in so that you have a, uh, a visual reference. I didn't say, this is your homework. Go check what these are. They're right here. So the the DAX is, you know, ready to throw a two bar reversal over this da- uptrend. If it closes below 15, 456 this week, that would be not only a, well, right now it's not a quarterly reversal because this is your third quarter right here, but it would be a monthly reversal, a two bar reversal. This is your Q2. We're, actually, we are at that level. Wow. So, right now, the DAX is throwing a, a quarterly reversal signal. I'm going to put together a quarterly chart of the DAX um, for Wednesday. Uh, the French, this is the Euro stocks 50. We have the same problem. Here's Q2. The low from Q2 is also going to be the low from Q3. We could see a quarterly reversal signal on both the German DAX and the Euro stocks 50. If we close at these prices on Friday, long and the short of it, while we're seeing breakouts in bond yields. So we're losing stocks and bonds and the euro at the same time. That is not what's happening here in the United States. Now, let's look at the Nikkei. Yes, the Nikkei broke out and has been capped notice it's all within the confines of the breakout bar. All we've done is retested back to the middle of the breakout bar. That's it. The Nikkei is going probably to 40K. Certainly, if the Japanese 10-year goes, breaks through 1%, money will roll out of, out of Japanese bonds and into Japanese stocks. Lastly, the Hang Seng, which is the Hong Kong Index. Note the Hong Kong Index, through a massive one-bar reversal. Um, this is a monthly chart, yeah. So um, last fall, this would be, I think, October. Three, six, nine, oh, yeah, 11, yeah. So this would be October. This is when the euro hit its low. Uh, and then it's been kind of meandering, sauntering vaguely downward since then. Um, we'll see. Asian markets are not strong. The... Chinese stock markets are not strong. The the yuan has been, you know, crushed down by the PBOC. Like a lot of stock markets are hanging on by a thread. I'm holding off the Dow until we get. I put the Dow chart where it belongs at the end of the thing. Remember the Nikkei chart. Remember the the Euro stocks 50 and remember the DAX chart. I put the Hang Seng up here because I thought it was interesting. Again, hanging by a thread right here. Oops. Did I? Oh, there's the I'm oh, sorry, I'm gonna have to move all the way to the end because I forgot to put this in the middle of the thing. Um, the patron request hour for this this month, not uh, for this week. I, I I have it at the end edited out after Quinny. So we'll have to go all the way back here and then we'll go back in. Um I was asked to look at uh ticker symbol ASTS AST space mobile. I'm gonna be honest. You can ignore both of those things because they don't mean anything. This is a speculative bet. That's all this is, okay? No different than any exploration company. And anybody who's followed found money over the years knows exactly how often um, exploration bets pay off. Not often. You usually get one out of five to 10. It's also over seven years old. I dialed in here to the five-year chart, but normally, you know, um, uh, investing.com puts up like a seven or even eight-year chart for the monthly. The fact that there's that much data, oh, and note this stuff. And now we're trading at $4. There was a pump back here. And then since then, it's been nothing but dumping. This company still has zero revenue. After eight years, this is someone's tax write-off. If you're in this stock for whatever reason, it's going to $2. So, I would bail now. We're breaking down below previous lows. It's made a new all-time low here. It's a spec bet. I hope you use Vegas money you know, the same money that I use to go to the 24 table at the, the Flamingo and see how long I can make it last. <clears throat> uh, Thorn Group Limited out of Australia. Um, I'm sure that somebody asked me about it because of this and the announcement of a 104% dividend for this year. Um, that in and of itself is quite interesting. So we've got a breakout and collapse this month. They went ex-dividend with two special payouts in September. This party is over. Uh, there's nothing to suggest in their quarterly uh, revenue and income statement. Now, this is an old company. This is a company that's been around. Uh, it's a small business um, financial services company in Australia that does about, you know, $5 million to $7 million in revenue every quarter. It's not a big company. But they had a monster Q1 2022, and they made... 45 million dollars and their revenue was only 32 million and i didn't look into it but it's clear that that's what they just paid out to investors and if they've got another deal like that on the horizon then maybe there'll be another one of these but the reality is is that the way this stock is trading right now they're expect expect a five to seven percent yield and you know they've been in business for 80 years and if they can pay a five to seven percent yield in this market i'd be buying it at a dollar and i you know and if you get some huge, you know, windfall because you know they made some shady deal with some some shady private equity deal that kind of worked out in the background. I don't I don't know anything about the company. I'm not I'm not I'm not disparaging them, but that one quarter sticks out like a sore thumb. Like they had some some investment that you know paid off five hundred percent or seven hundred percent that they sold into or whatever. It just it that's what it looks like to me. I don't know. I would I didn't do that kind of research. I just looked at the financials and went. Huh, that's interesting. How do you how do you produce 104% dividend? To be honest with you, so. Um, but I mean, you know, if you're Australian and you need to, you know, you want you want to, you want a bond. I think a dollar is it's worth to you know pick up a few hundred shares and hope to, you know, get five to seven percent off of it. You know, as long as it holds a dollar, I wouldn't be, you know, and I would hold a dollar for a week. If it retests a dollar here, uh, it, you know, it's got to hold you know a dollar for a month it's got to hold these lows. Okay. It looks like it good, I mean, it looks like there's good support in that, you know, dollar to dollar 15 range, you know, give yourself some downside protection, buy it a dollar, dollar, $2, $1. 4 something like that. Okay. Um, that's that. So let's go back up here to our overseas dollar curve. So this is going to be a little, little wonky today, but there it is. Um, so What did I tell you when this happened? That these two spreads would converge. They have. They've converged at a higher level than I expected. But then again, Lagarde is getting more desperate in trying to maintain yield curve control. And now she has her friend Janet Yellen to continue helping the process along. Um, That being said, here's the euro yen. It's a daily chart of the euro yen. I don't normally do this. The monthly chart is now giving us, you know, topping pattern in here, but I want you to note that there's no, look at all the one bar bearish reversal signals. Okay. Look at these. Every time it's, this tries to hold together, it fail, fail. Um, what I would say here is that this isn't, I do not believe this is a base that's being built. Okay. I believe that this is a, um, A level that is desperately trying to be maintained, and at some point the Bank of Japan is going to come in, and they're going to crush the people who are short the euro yen or long the euro yen, and they're going to get crushed. And they know how, and the BOJ knows how to do this, and they've done it before, and they're going to let the ten-year rise to one percent, which will then again crush anybody still holding on to old. Carry trades, short you know, short JCB carry trades. And then what do you do? The euro collapses like a rock. Right now, you know, I could make the argument at this point that people are, you know, kind of staring at the abyss of Lagarde and the ECB imploding and saying, well, we're not quite ready for that to happen yet. But, you know, again, pushing everybody to the monetary abyss to ask the question of, Is that what you really believe? Who do you think you really are? So uh, we're still great The the for futures curve, still looks like it's gonna be above 5% into June of 2024. I expect the right September in the coming weeks. US dollar index is gonna close the quarter at 105 or higher. The Euro is 15 pips away from throwing a one bar bearish quarterly reversal signal, signaling that it's going back to 95 cents. We are long EUO in the portfolio. The Yuan is stable. The ruble is stable. The yen is pushing back up towards 150 and that level where the where the BOJ will come in and defend the yen. And the British pound is getting crushed in order to maintain this. US German 10-year spread is too high. The German, the the 10-year Japanese government bond is continuing to creep higher as the BOJ keeps walking back it's it's level, it's intervention level it's just letting it rise a couple of basis points a week and that's we're going to we're going to 1% and copper is signaling a little bit of worry about a global recession at 370 a pound and then here's the dow so going all the way back here quarterly reversal signals monthly charts literally less than 1% away. 0.1% away. Well, 1% for the DAX and 9 points for the Euro stocks 50. So, like like 0.5%. Ready? The Dow. Here's the monthly chart of the Dow. So, here's your Q3. Is this a reversal signal? No. It's not a particularly great bar because it was a breakout that looks like it's going to fail. But it's not a breakdown. So here's Q2 and here's Q1. Q1, Q2 barely got the breakout and then no follow through this month, unless we get a rally this month or this week in the Dow. The way we close on Friday will determine the shape of the Q2 bar, the Q3 bar, and that will tell us where we're, where we're headed. If the bond vigilantes start coming in and shorten the crap out of bonds, a lot of that money is going to roll into the United States. And if the DAX, the Eurostoxx 50, the French CAC 40, oh by the way, the Italian stock market is breaking out. I BTPs are being sold. People are buying Italian stocks. Okay. If we lose, if these guys lose their war, where do you think that money's going to go? Think it's going to go back into the German tenure? Or do you think it's going to go into this guy? As I point, like, at my screen. Of course, it's going to go into this guy. Enjoy. Have a great Sunday afternoon. I think this is going to be both terrifying and hilarious simultaneously. All right, I'm out. You guys be well. You take care. We'll talk soon. Keep your stick on the ice.